random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with the proprietor, the head honcho, the mastermind behind Terrificon. Terrific's... Connecticut's only terrific Comic-Con. Yes, easy for me to say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to include that botch because let's just say... I'm a dummy. And it's but, difficult for us to hear it, so... Sometimes, yes. All the but, time. All... Wait, what do you mean? Easy for me to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And difficult for us to hear. How hear? And one of these days... What, the levels? We'll do better than the tin cannon string. I swear. Well, one... If it's the last thing I do on this podcast. <laughs> but we digress. Ladies and gentlemen, we are... Again, we are talking to the proprietor of Terrificon, Connecticut's only terrific Comic-Con. And when is it going to be hold, held, Eddie? Hold, held, held, held hands. Ooh. The last weekend in July in Uncasville, Connecticut at Mohegan Sun. And, and that would be July 29th, 30th, and 31st. Hooray and so forth. Yes. And here's Mitch Halleck. Hey, Mitch. Well, if it isn't ever loving Eddie Wilson, how are you? I do. And how's you your sidekick that. there pounding Peter? No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of P words we could use, and uh, that would be one of them. How dare you, sir? Um, this is a new experience for both of us because he's just back from his vacation. So, Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I got to go to my first ever amusement park at the age of 33 years yes. old. I got to go to the, Walter Disney World. The Mouse House. Mm-hmm. Walter Elias Disney World. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's tell a little bit of a story beforehand involving me almost throwing up because I never told Eddie this story, and I want his live reaction on the show. <laughs> So, we ended up arriving at Walter Disney World that Saturday, and my girlfriend is a Disney Pass holder, so she can be able to do the whole annual pass thing, go on certain rides, get discounts, etc. She could be a tour guide at this point, I think. Oh, yes, 100%. We actually knocked out almost everything in the span of a week, so she's a damn fine tour guide. Mm -hmm. And in Mm -hmm. regards to the whole experience, we arrive day one, and we go to Epcot, and Epcot absolutely slaps. It's not my favorite number one, start but it's with pretty Ep- close. Right. Get, it, get it out of the way, maybe, Epcot? No, start no, with... no. We, if we wanted to get something out of the way, it would have been Animal Kingdom, because oh, Animal yeah. Kingdom stinks on ice. Yeah, I'm with you. Ouch. But in regards to Epcot, which we returned to a number of times, I think three or four times during the whole experience, uh, the very first thing we got to partake in was the, I believe, food and garden or flower and garden? I think it's flower and garden, because there's a lot of flowers. A lot of flowers. But in nothing but flowers, the talking heads off of the album Naked. Nice. Thank Very you. good reference. Okay. But in regards to the Flower and Garden Festival, we go and it's a little bit of time to cheat a little bit on the diet. And I decide to have the following within the first three hours of being there. I had avocado toast. For the perfect, ho- for the perfect Florida weather, I had a hot soup with kale and impossible sausage. Oh. <laughs> Yes. I also had half a Dole Whip, half a Violet Lemonade, and I went over to that little Coca-Cola thing where you try out all the international soda flavors. Personally, I like the Italian one, even though it's bitter. I like bitter coffee. Mm. What can I say? Mm. I just like the barbecue-tasting one. I thought thought that was pretty okay. It was saucy. Bagao, saucy. Boomer sooner. But I got to partake in the multiverse of sodas, and it was really cool. And how long would it take before it 
decided to come back at you. So, at this moment, this is Saturday. This is before the 27th. This is, I want to say, the 21st. 21st, Eddie. First, Eddie. So, that Saturday, we are there, and we end up going over to where the Guardians of the Galaxy ride is. We see all the different Mm -hmm. doodads. They're just... Everything's out there. Get your you spot in line for you, you miles and miles. And you can't go in. You have to, you know, if, if you're sorry, if you're able to go in, you have mm-hmm. to be a pass holder on that one preview day. I'm not a pass holder, and I was heavily contemplating pulling up my sleeve and going. I'm a tattoo wearer. Any possibility somebody could maybe be able to get on the Star Lord Guardians of the Galaxy ride? Ha ha ha! Because they see I have a Star Lord tattoo, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. And my girl just goes. If you do that, I will pretend I don't know you. <laughs> so in regards to what ended up happening, she said, listen, what you should do in the meantime is just sit back and wait for me. And I'm like, well, I don't want to bake in the Florida sun. So right. in the meantime, what I want to do is maybe go on a ride. She goes, oh, you could go on Mission Space. But I recommend going on the orange Oh, one. no. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and there it goes in camera. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was she goes, but you should go on the green. You should go on Mission Space Green, not orange. It's not spinny. You'll yeah. be fine. Narrator, guess what happened? He so wasn't. I, I end up you going. You were on the wrong one, and you got claustrophobia, and the ride shut down, and you almost cried to get out of there. That's what happened to me. I was like Homer Simpson with the whole, everybody's stupid but me. I ended up mm-hmm. getting on the ride, and as everything's going on, I feel myself start to melt, and I end up just not barfing, but just like really stomach yeah. queasy. I didn't throw up. There was no protein spill at Disney, although apparently their cleanup crew is absolutely amazing because if somebody oh, yeah. throws up, that's gone within a minute. That's kind of impressive. But it is I the dig- cleanest place on earth. So after I get off of the ride, I send her a text, and I just go, guess who wants to throw up? Smiley emoji. And she goes, I knew this was going to happen. Somebody <laughs> didn't listen to me, did they? And I go, nope, I'm your dummy. So whatever. I, I lived, as you can tell. Surprise, bitch, I lived, to quote the one meme. (laughs) But what ended up happening was a few days later, we ended up going to the uh, Cosmic Rewind ride. Mm -hmm. And so if you plan on going to this ride in the very near future, turn this episode off if you don't want to be spoiled. Although before you do shut it off, be sure to check out Terrificon, Connecticut's only terrific Comic-Con in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun from July 29th to 31st. The 31st, right. But suck it up and listen to it anyway because I'm going to have some stuff to say. Go on, Peter. Exactly. So the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, I got to, first off, that Friday morning, we're staying at a Disney resort. We were over at Saratoga Springs, and we ended up, you know, Mm -hmm. just doing our thing, and 7 o'clock rolls around. We're both on the uh, My Disney World app going in and I bought lightning lanes for this because she would do the regular one I would do lightning Watch whichever one we could get whatever we would do right because Disney loves my money we did the lightning lane because I was the only one who could get it at that moment so I got the lightning lane passes we had a, a 115 reservation for the boarding group and then later on we end up going towards the area one o'clock rolls around and I end up also trying again because they have a second batch that goes out for the day one o'clock got it boom okay so we end up going on the ride at about 1 15 and on the ride one of the things about that that is really neat is the whole overall immersive experience of what this is you know i had conversations with, with friends before i was even going the star wars one i'm like i'm probably going to break down and cry just seeing all the star wars stuff in person just being in front of the millennium falcon 
Yep. That that did not happen. I I teared up like a little bitch when I saw Slinky Dog from the Star or the Toy Story Land ride. So yes, six year old Peter was really excited to see some of that stuff. Came back and yeah, no, I didn't throw up. Made but, an appearance, but mm-hmm. seeing all that stuff, it was cool to see. But getting into the Guardians ride, I had a cheese doodle smile. You know, like the crunchy cheese doodles, not the big, you know, mm-hmm. poofy ones, but the cheese doodle smile, and I'm just like, I'm here. I get to see this, and I'm here on opening day. And it was impressive just to see all that stuff around me. And as we're waiting to get into the boarding area or into the uh, main part of the ride, we see these video screens with characters. Like, you know, the Guardians are talking, random, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, the random gleep glops from all the different planets. And then mm-hmm. a member of the Nova Corps shows up. <laughs> Terry Crews is a member of the Nova Corps, and I nearly shit myself because I'm like, holy shit, it's Terry Crews. And he does an absolutely phenomenal job in the role of being the representative of the Nova Corps. And I'm hoping and praying that when we get the holiday special or volume three, that they incorporate Terry Crews as a Nova Corps member because he is perfect for the role with everything he does how he can be the stern, imposing figure, and this wonderful, loving character. Because there's one moment where he goes, ladies and gentlemen, video recording of any kind is strictly prohibited. I mean it. Anyway, (laughs) and just absolutely perfect in the role. And when we end up getting into the whole main part, we see a reprisal of uh, Glenn Close as her character of the Nova Corps, we see the Guardians talking, and then it's revealed that there's a problem with the Celestials, where they're trying to basically create like a Big Bang kind of thing. And so you get on the ride, which is like the Ratatouille ride. If you've been on that, it's kind of like a bumper car kind of thing. Like It's, it's a r- regular track, and then your car goes off into other directions. Like you're separated from all of the cars. This ride is kind of like that. In some parts, other parts, like just the way it works. It's on a track and all that kind of stuff, but what it is is what it is and so we get on the ride and they're doing their whole you know little spiel before the music starts and i'll do a little bit of backstory or sidebar i'm a big fan of the guardians of the galaxy video game that came out with uh, john mclaren and all them you know playing the role of star lord very 1980s centric soundtrack Mm -hmm. as you've heard me on the show in the past ladies and gentlemen i can be very particular about the mcu guardian soundtrack where it's got to be only up to 1979. For some reason, they have 1980s songs in this. Not that I'm complaining, because the songs that they pick absolutely slap. So one of the, like I'll give you the set list, and then I'll reveal the final one. The set list includes Blondie's One Way or Another, so I know a certain Blondie uh, aficionado will be appreciative and hoping he gets that song for his ride. Oh, it's me. Disco. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. Disco Inferno by The Tramps. September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, which my girl got on her preview showing. And apparently, I've seen clips of it. That is the best one to go with. Um, um, Conga by Gloria Estefan, which, again, you wouldn't think, but it works. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. And the one that I was hoping, because my favorite moment in the Guardians game is the scene in the asteroid field, where you're going off, trying to weave and you know get through. Raspberries. No. No. Because it's 1980s. Oh. A flock of seagulls, I ran. Sure. You get on the ride, the big bang happens, and all of a sudden you just hear the first note. Boom! So we managed to manifest that, my girl and I, just over and over, like hoping, please let this be the song. 
Then three hours later for our second boarding, guess what song played again? <laughs> we manifested it really, really hard. So I would say it's definitely worth checking out. Each version, each song you get has different lines that are uttered. I watch, you know, certain clips and the ending for ours is something different than the one that you get for Conga or September. Now you said all 80s songs here? No, it's uh, 70s okay. and 80s. But I'm, okay. what I'm saying is the Guardians game is 80s songs. Yeah, oh, there we go. All right. So they, they use some of the stuff. I was personally hoping to get in the second one, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. For a roller coaster ride where you're flying through space, everybody wants to rule the world does not w- make sense. But when you see it in action, it definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Disney is going all in on this, by the way, because regardless of the whole thing with the issue of the west of the Mississippi or east of the Mississippi or northeast of the Mississippi or north by northwest of the Mississippi, what have you, they are trying to capitalize as much on this as humanly possible. While you can't have Avengers, X-Men, or certain characters like Fantastic Four at Disney Parks in Disney World, you can have merchandise with them. Hooray. Bob Chappick really loves knowing that. So with this, I got to do the Star Wars Jedi uh, lightsaber building, which, let me tell you, was an absolute hoot. I got to, did you? I did Elemental, and it was a green lightsaber. And then I Ooh. put it in the holocron, and it was Qui-Gon Jinn's form of Kyber Crystal. Hooray. <laughs> But the thing about Disney when you go to these things is you want to buy a lot of stuff, and you end up spending a pretty penny. And ladies and gentlemen, I spent a pretty penny at Disney World. And with this, one of the things that I noticed that they're trying to do, and I saw that, and I'm just like, Hall and Oates, no can do. (laughs) What they had, Eddie, was the following. They were selling that Friday for the debut an Infinity Gauntlet. Ooh. But wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen. There's no crystals on that Infinity Gauntlet that costs $100. What in Sam Hill is going on? Buy those separately. You sure are. But here's the thing, Eddie. How did they get the Infinity Gauntlet stones in the movies and in the comics? Out of random bullshit like scepters and orbs and eyes of Agamotto's and what have you. Tesseracts, even. Which you can each buy for $100 a piece. All the source material. Okay. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) For the low, low price of $700, you can have one complete Infinity Gauntlet. But wait a Somebody minute. Somebody is. Oh, we saw it from the Disney influencers that were there at that day. Somebody's walking around holding one. I'm just like, oh yeah. you have way more disposable income than I will ever have in my life, and I don't know how that makes me feel. But, ladies and gentlemen, it gets better. Because they also had the Nano Gauntlet, also without stones. So you know what that means? Now you have to spend another $700 to fill that bad boy up. Double. And you have two I, you have two uh, Loki staffs. You have two Tesseracts. You have two Eyes of Agamotto, so now it's a part of a face. You have you know just so many different useless tchotchke things. Right. And I can't justify it. But wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen. There's one more thing you have to buy for this. The briefcase to put the little things in. Yeah. But now you need to buy another briefcase, too, so you can put those other ones in there. But wait a minute. Now you need to buy another set so you can put them on the things, on the nano gauntlet, in the regular gauntlet. So you have to spend a lot of money, and I'm terrible at math, so we're not going to do this part anymore. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly a thing to see all that stuff. It's, it's cool to see in person. But I'm kind of happy with my Infinity Gauntlet that I got from Marvel Legends and my Marvel Legends nano gauntlet. I don't care anymore. So I guess I'm not that target audience for that, and that's fine. It's okay to buy things. No, the Infinity Gauntlet you have, 
surpasses what you saw. But the thing just that, by virtue of a signature or two you got on it. Theirs was, I want to say, about a foot long. <laughs> I want to say it was a foot long, whereas mine, the the gauntlet one, it's a big ass one, so it's supposed to fit, you know, a Thanos arm. And I don't have a Thanos arm, so it's really big on me. But these mm-hmm. things, it's like, it's cutesy, whatever, but it's just not for me. But I get mm-hmm. it if somebody wants it. But, again, not for me. No judging yep. here. This is the judgment-free zone. We're like Planet Fitness, just with less purple and and yellow. But, yeah. There you go. Wow. So Well, uh, some, are, some are just going to buy it because they, you know, it's a goal. They have the disposable income. Sure. They're not necessarily going to wear it. It's going to be on display. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's it. But it, yeah. when I saw yeah. that, I'm just like, I can't do that. But, I again, I get why people would want to do that. Last case, security yeah. alarm system, <laughs> lasers, <laughs> the whole thing. Freaking lasers. That's the one time yeah. I'll quote Austin Powers. But um, I don't know. Like, I thought uh, I was more partial. As You know, I've fallen off of Star Wars over the years, although I'm going to be watching Obi-Wan this week. But oh, yeah. The uh, the thing about it that, you know, really gets me is, like, seeing the uh, lightsaber stuff. The kyber crystal stuff was so freaking mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mitch, did, did you do the uh, lightsaber? I, when I went down there, it was literally uh, pre-COVID. I went there in January of 2020 with my family, and you had to have an appointment to that, build the lightsaber. And I did not know that. So I was, I couldn't get into that little lightsaber building thing because they changed everything since covid but back then you were all gathered around i just did the build a droid we have two droids here now mm-hmm. uh they were like a 100 bucks each you build your own little r2d2 or a uh, bb8 unit type of thing you know but you're saying little and now what kind of size are we talking they're, about they're we're talking about, about i don't know like 13 12 inches or so they're pretty oh. decent size and they go around a little remote control mm-hmm. that you buy and you can get different uh sound chips in them and you can Swap out the colors. So we have one that looks like the University of Maryland's uh, colors. That was my co- my son who goes there or just graduated from there. So he built one of those. Congratulations, by yeah. the way. And I, thank you. And I said I didn't do anything. He went to school. I just paid the tuition. <laughs> but uh, I said I would not build a BB unit because I'm an original Star Wars guy. But then afterwards, I was like, oh, I should have just got the BB thing. <laughs> but whatever. Well, but they're cool. They move around. But no. Yeah. Uh, I almost died in, uh, was it Oganga's Cafe, the bar? Right. Because I went there. I was Star Wars nuts. I've, I've been there since 1977, first day, first showing. Went to Star Wars and been in love with it ever since. So I have uh, fallen away from my love in the last couple of years because things got a little weird. But we go to the Star Wars bar. It's great. It looks like the cantina. Uh, you know, there's music. There's, like, decorations. It's all like it just walked out of Tatooine and it's right there in the middle of Orlando. We surprisingly well, didn't go to that. We didn't well, go to the bar. Well, here's the deal. They have a menu, which I actually have here. I stole the menu. Had a boy. And, uh, <laughs> and they have all these exotic drinks, but it's so loud in there. Like it's literally like a, a nightclub and you can't hear anything. I'm there with my wife and kids. And I couldn't hear what the woman said when I picked my drink out because I picked something called a fuzzy tauntaun. Oh, no. And the Tauntaun is the thing they wrote, the snow lizards that they wrote on Hoth in The Empire Strikes Back. And she gives it to me, and it has what looks like whipped cream or foam on top. And she said something like, blah, 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 not for human consumption. That's all I have made out. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. 
And I, I got the drink, and my son got one that came in a little Ewok thing, and my other kid got one that looks like those little uh, little birds from uh, the Last Jedi. I can't think of their name. The Porgs. Porgs. Mm-hmm. So we're there. My wife got something. We got some food to eat. So I thought it was whipped cream. Oh, God. And just swallowed it. And what it is is it's numbing foam that the dentist uses when he does surgery on it. He'll rub it on your gums to numb your gums before he, like, starts cutting you up. Yeah. Why some genius thought this was a good idea to put it on a drink at a bar that people could have is beyond me. Because what happened is you're supposed to sip it slowly, and it numbs your your mouth and your tongue, and you talk funny, like, but because <laughs> Did I you say like a Jeff so, Buckley song? <laughs> because I inhaled it so quickly. I froze my esophagus. Oh, God. I did not know what was happening. I literally thought I was having an anaphylactic shock or, you know, allergic reaction, and I thought I was dying because I couldn't breathe because it froze the little flap that's in the back of your throat that makes it go up and down when you drink and eat, you know, so you could breathe. Yeah. So you're not breathing in food when you you breathe. Uh, So I was holding on to the bar for dear life. My eyes are turning red and watering my wife you can't speak because there's no air coming into your lungs so she's like are you choking are you having a a heart attack what's going on and i'm like (gasps) trying desperately to get air into my lungs which is frozen now and i make my way towards the door literally starting to black out because it's you're, you're panicked you don't know what's happening you think you're dying i go outside they go what drink did he have and my wife goes what did he have the frozen tauntaun or something she's like i think so Oh, well, that's numbing foam. He'll be all right in a minute or two. Just give him some water. And I'm listening to all this. It's like uh, an exotic dream, like you're hearing stuff, but you're not there. Yeah. And I'm like thinking in my head, what idiot thought this was a good idea to put on a drink? So they give me my water. I'm outside. I'm finally getting air into my lungs. And the first words, because we're recording and it's a family-friendly podcast, the F-bomb came out of my mouth like you wouldn't believe. And I was like, what the F and who the F and what the F and here's my, you're going to call this place Mitch Halleck land tomorrow because I'm going to sue every F and one of you. So anyway, that was my experience at the Star Wars bar at the, what do you call it? But other than that, it was a great time. <laughs> well, the funniest thing is um, the beverages, like the stuff they have. We did the blue milk. Which yeah, luckily for us, you know, nothing happened with us. We did the no, blue milk. No, it's just simple milk, and there's green milk too. Yeah. We we tried the green milk. The green milk was, eh, it was okay. Yeah. But the uh, blue milk, and again, when we see the stuff with Guardians coming down the line, I'm curious to see how they're going to go with like further merchandising stuff because when you go to Batu and you see yeah. all the stuff in there, they yeah. have all of the soda. So you have the uh, yeah Diet Coke was in the little thermal detonator bottles. They don't do that anymore. I think they no they going. do. I got them. Uh, oh, they do. I, I, I got them. Mine. Home. Yeah, I got mine too. Yeah. They they have. I think it's either Dasani or Smart Water. I think it's Smart Water, but yeah. it's in a you know with the alien type and all that. Then they have Sprite yep. and they have regular Coke. Yep. But I'm I'm excited to see what kind of stuff they can slap the Marvel name on. Well, you know what? You you do have to go down there with the idea that don't think about how much it costs. Yeah. Because you could go stupid there. Because I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I don't like those movies. I've never seen more than the first one. But we went over to the Universal uh, Park, and they have, like, this whole Harry Potter world and the street scenes. It looks like it's a movie set. 
And I was with these young kids. I was with my son's band a couple of years back, and they are all into Harry Potter. And they knew everything, and they were buying the stuff, and, and the wands. The, you know, I'm like, come on, it's a stick. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, the, and the and stick is like 60 bucks. Oh, it's... yeah, and they were going nuts, and they were so crazy about it. I just shook my head. But then when I got to Star Wars, but two, I was just like those kids. Because I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. You know, there's stormtroopers walking around, and we had a Ronto burger and all this stuff. And it's like everything you could have ever imagined, but it is so expensive. There's the Emperor's cane. There's Yoda's little uh, flute that he played. Stuff that you were like, really? They made this? You know, yeah. I bought like uh, they, they had a comm link, which is those little silver things they would talk into that you could sync it up to your phone with a Bluetooth so you could walk. I'm like, what are you going to do with that? Is it's it going to sit in a drawer when you get home. Like my holocron. My Jedi yeah, holocron. I, I have the Jedi holocron, too, and I bought a couple of the crystals. Same. And I played with it for like five minutes when I got home, and it's sitting there gathering dust. Well, did, you, did you know that with the uh, red Sith holocron, if you or not the holocron, the uh, kyber crystal, that if you buy yeah. the red one... They're all the solid color for the uh, the cylinder, but there's like I think a one in two hundred chance you get a black one. Oh no, I did not know they had like chase crystals too. Yeah, they have, and then there's also two other ones: a green one with Yoda on the uh, package, yeah. and one with Vader. And if you put one inside, if you put the green one inside the uh, Jedi and the red inside the Sith, it's the yeah. equivalent of a Magic Eight Ball. Oh really? And like my girl was like trying to convince me, you don't buy those. I'm like. I do kind of want to buy them, so that's probably. Gonna oh be no, the that's next that's visit. the thing, though, dude. You got to understand, Peter. It's like you got to go in there with literally thousands of dollars, and you can't think twice about it. But because I'm cheap, because I grew up poor, there's a part of me that can't go too nuts about stuff. I can get the t-shirts. Everybody has t-shirts. I have a closet full of t-shirts. Half I never wear, but I have posters that I never hang up. It's like because you you just love that stuff, and those are cheaper consumables. You know yeah. what I mean? They're like under $30. You don't think about that stuff. I left. But when the replicas, like the, I, the lightsaber must have cost you 300 bucks, I think, right? You'd have to ask my girl because that was her gift Okay. To me. It was pricey because I remember seeing that. I go, I have a replica lightsaber that I paid like 100 bucks for. And again, I use it once in a blue moon for like, you know, parties or the show or something like that. But Or chase the dog. Just... Or chase the dog. But Guardians of the Galaxy is my one of my favorite Marvel movies out of the 20,000 Marvel movies that's in my top five. <laughs> and I've had a lot of the guests at my show from the Guardians movies. And I have Sean Gunn on speed dial right now as I speak. So I would go nuts and buy a lot of stuff because I'm that old wannabe Star-Lord guy. Mitch, you are a consummate professional with the cheap segue into referencing Terrificon. I got to give you that. My my hat. I'm not wearing. Doing this for many years, son. Before I got into the world of conventions, which was ten years now, I've been producing comic book shows. I was a advertising marketing specialist for companies you might have heard of called Microsoft, Apple, HP. So, yeah, this ain't my first rodeo, son. You work for Hoop. I work for Hip. I work for HR Puff and stuff. Correct. Well, I don't know uh, if you know yeah. this, but he's your friend when things get rough. He is. And that talking flute and Jimmy. Oh, we had some adventures together back in the day. <laughs> who was the bigger dick, Sid or Marty Croft? I'm gonna just give it to Witchy Pooh. <laughs> That's the name. Very good. I yeah, meant to... you never party till you hung out with the Bugaloos. Mm-hmm. Bugaloos. Oh man. Sid. Oh, Sigmund of the Sea Monsters. That little guy, like I've never seen one. somebody consume so much cocaine in my life and still live. Yeah, and then you sound like Sleestacks, I guess, right? Yeah. 
Oh, Slee Stack. The reason why they move so slow is they're all on Quaaludes. Something, 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 land of the lost. <laughs> yeah, that little <laughs> you heard, that's the only thing they can say because they're so stoned. That's exactly but what it sounds anyway, like. yes, Terrificon so, happening July 29th to the 31st at the Mohegan Sun Expo Center in lovely Uncasville, Connecticut. Tickets on sale right now. Tickets, yes. and well, the show itself, Mitch, I don't know if you've done it this year or maybe it wasn't a thought or you said, no, I'm going to keep it the way it is. Um, putting a number on the, uh, you know, the eighth annual Terrificon, even if it's not you consecutive. Know, what happened with that is a little thing called COVID kind of screwed everything up because yeah. what do you do? Do you put an asterisk? Is it like, uh, you know, Roger Maris home runs? Well, he had more games than Babe Ruth, so we got to put an asterisk next to that record. Because technically, I've been doing these 10 years. I started Mohegan Sun in 2015. So if you count, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 is a skip year, 21, now we're in 22. That would be my eighth show, right? Mm-hmm. Then you don't you use, count? you know what? Then you don't use the word annual. The eighth, Terrificon. Yeah, then you could do that, though. How, you know, if you want... annual, sound, annual, you got to be careful because some people don't hear it. And it sounds like anal, and you don't want to get into that. Well, maybe, <laughs> depending <laughs> on your point of view. But, no, I just like saying it's here again. Mm-hmm. Terrificon. It's here. It's new. Yep. Now, somebody that is no longer anywhere is Joe Casada at Marvel Comics. What a segue. Who I hung out with at Baltimore Comic Con last fall. Isn't it weird to realize he's officially gone from the House of Ideas? Yes. Like, everything he did at Marvel, some people out there, they, you know, will complain about his decision with the whole Mary Jane Watson thing, and, well, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in that camp, but... I am, too. We digress, you know? There was a lot of really great things that he was able to help bring out, you know, such as the Marvel Max line, such as the Marvel Knights line. Yep. And just so much great stuff, including his wonderful variant covers and just, you know, his. Oh, God, yeah. The visuals of what he did. And it's funny because he was talking in, you know, a press release about it and saying to the effect of, I'm. When I started at Marvel, I thought, you know, go a lot differently than it did. And there are things that I wish I could have done, essentially. And. He's going off now. He's going to be doing movies, apparently. And, like, I've heard a rumor it's going to be Ash, I think, his uh, creator-owned character, Ash. Okay. So, good for him. I know he's out in Idaho, right near on the Schwarzenegger, because we were talking about where he lived. Um, I'm not going to tell you where he lives, but I know where he lives. But anyway. Mm. What is his uh, social security? Uh, I could tell you his shoe size and his uh, dental records, but that's as far as we go. All right, we are close. No, no zip code then, okay. No zip code's a thing of the past, son. It's all about uh, chips. See, and I thought it was ahoy. And I was trying to get used to having the five-digit zip code, the dash or hyphen, and the four digits I like back in the day when there was no zip codes in the early 60s, and you'd see, like, movies and comic books. It's like, yeah, send it just to New York City, and we'll find it, fella. Five 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 five. Yes, Klondike right. Five. Yes. Oh yes, yes. For me, it was Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't have that. I'm not that old, Eddie. But sure, yeah. I'm only a, maybe two years older than you, I think. Yeah, think uh, 1955. Oh. I was born in 1966, the year of Star Trek, the Silver Surfer, Batman. So many great things. Less than two. Yep, 65 right here. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage. 
where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. So anyway, yeah, Joe Casada is a cool guy. I, there's somewhere out on the YouTube, there's an interview with me and him back when, when did Agent Coulson come back? 2012? Yes, for uh, Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I, I interviewed him, and it's so funny because I interviewed him about the Marvel movies, and then I asked the question about the X-Men, and he says, oh, not allowed to talk about those. Those aren't Marvel movies. Those are Fox movies. And I'm like, wow, and now they own everything. So, mm-hmm. And they'll find ways to sneak it into the main continuity, or they won't. It's, it's a uh, sordid state of affairs. Yeah, it is. I actually saw Doctor Strange again last night, and then I come home and find out it's going to be on Disney Plus on June 22nd. Thanks for the money. But Whoa, that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, let me go see Doctor Strange again. And I'm watching that, too, and I'm like, you know, it's all one big, massive movie now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, again, I like the movie a lot, and there's – there's so much that immediately got spoiled within a matter of days, kind of. Oh, in seconds, yeah. And I don't know. But what gets me is, you know, with everything that's coming along, we've got, you know, the She-Hulk show, which apparently they just released. They Did they do another trailer or, like, fix up the footage? Yeah, they fixed up the CGI on her because all the fan nerds, whatever you want to call them, were freaking out about it. Like, oh, my God, it looks like Gumby. Uh, oh, and then no, I said, okay, I've... okay. That was just the initial thing. We're not done yet. We're going to fix it, so calm the hell down. <laughs> Fun fact to the fanboys out there listening, you're not original calling her uh, Fiona from uh, Shrek. I just uh, don't know if you know. There's that. I saw the comment was, it looked like PS1 graphics. And as somebody, oh, somebody, who's, somebody who plays that era, really, she had a blocky face with a, a flat 2D expression. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like... We get, and it's also like, let's be real, a lot of it is woman bad. Why are you liking things with woman? Forced diversity. Oh, it's that, that horse it. shit. Yeah. Let but, me just tell you something. If there was a world where all this stuff disappeared tomorrow, like all the you know streaming services and all the Marvel movies and all the, the video games and all that, and then they realized how good they had it. Because Eddie and I could tell you, young whippersnapper, Mr. 33-year-old, <laughs> the dark times, the times when we had to watch the Doctor Strange CBS TV movie, and we liked it. Which you can get on Blu-ray now, by the way. They just recently re-released I kind of want to get my hands on it. Dude, things, things are so... I mean, I, t- I tell this to Ordway every time we go see a superhero movie. I go, did you ever think you would be in a movie theater with Black Bolt up on the screen? It was mind-blowing. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. He had to. He had to do that. I know. And then I'm like, even new characters like Captain Carter that just got created a year or so ago in the What If show. I'm like, what the hell? You know? Unbelievable. It's kind of cool. And they complain. It's kind of cool with uh, Captain Carter that she has her own comic now. Yeah. And, like, she made her debut in What If, but she has her own comic now, For you know, afterwards. Like, yeah. That's kind of the reversal. I kind of like seeing that. 
Like it's we rarely have that. Like there are characters. I think uh, what's her name on uh, Spider Man and his Amazing Friends, Firestar. 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 Yeah. Didn't she originate on the show and then became a comic yes. character? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I yes. believe she so. was on the show and then she got worked into the comic books. She was also the voice of was at Terrificon last year. Happening at the Mohegan Sun in lovely Uncasville, Connecticut. You're also having the voice of Spider-Man from that series, too. So we That's might... right. I'm slowly getting one after another. And if you're really paying attention, kids, there's also the voice of the Green Goblin from that show, the Shocker. Well, there's a lot of them. So, yes, I have the voices of classic cartoons. We got the G.I. Joe voices. We got the guy with Bumblebee from the original Transformers. We got Duke from G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Eddie, after the Orville. Eddie, does this mean that we might be accumulating another Spider-Mans for our show? Uh, yeah. I Probability would, is very likely. Um, I think so. Well, we're going to have to walk up and say, excuse me, can we please get an interview? Oh, because well, uh, you know, a couple years ago, if you guys went down to Connecticut, you would have met Mr. Paul Souls, a.k.a. the original animated Spider-Man from the 60s. We did. Eddie did. I didn't. I wanted oh, to. Oh, Eddie was lucky. You did. I Souls. didn't. I was fortunate. I brought my, uh, I want to say, liner notes from the DVD set and had him yes. sign that. I wish I got him to sign mine, because I bought that. It's really hard to come by now. But oh. when it came out, I grabbed it first day and showed my kids these really cheesy artwork <laughs> that are great in my mind. But he was also in the Hulk movie with um, the second Hulk movie with Edward Norton. Now, wait there. a minute, Mitch. Why is he in the Hulk movie? He's Spider-Man. No, I know. young <laughs> child. Not only did he play Stan Lee, the pizza owner, oh. he was also various voices on the Marvel superhero show in the 1966 era and the voice of Bruce Banner. That's right. There you go. That's right. Yep. I don't know if you all know this, ladies and gentlemen. Old Bruce Banner was working in his laboratory when he saw Rick Jones about to go up in a blaze of glory. <laughs> That's not how it was. Doc Bruce Banner, belted by gamma rays, turns into the Hulk. Ain't he a glamour ray? Yeah, but I was referencing the band The Traits with their hit song. I was singing the song. Yeah, I was thinking of the uh, the, the animated one myself. But okay. all right, The Traits, yes. Nobody, okay. nobody Hulk, loves the Hulk. Hulk. No, nobody, Hulk. Lo nobody loves the Ever Hulk. Ever-loving Hulk. I had that guy coming to Terrificon, too. The guy who wrote all the songs. The guy's 92 years old. He called me up like at 10 o'clock at night and talked for hours. I would love I to like, see... See if God. you could get the guys of the band, the traits, the one who did that "Nobody Loves the Hulk" song. Oh, that would be a cool. Well, they were like a when my kids were little. We still had that CD around here. It was like "Storm Makes the Weather." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, was no, all this... these like kitty songs. Well, you know? this, this one's like a completely different um, song. It's like it came out in the 1960s, like 67, 68, uh -huh. 69, and it was um, like you could only get the uh, 45. Yeah, through the Marvel yeah I've magazines. got a couple of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, I, I lucked out. I got through uh, WFMU's eBay page. Like they were selling like a copy for like 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'll and tell you what. From the late, great Rob Bruce, I managed to snag the Spider-Man one and the Captain America. They come in those little die-cut booklets or the little slip covers, and they got a little album inside. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Or read the action. Yeah. as you, read, read along as you hear the action kind of thing. Kind of thing. They did Thor, Captain America, Spider-Man, the Hulk, and maybe one other one. But, yeah. But from nothing, nothing will compare to here's another voice of Spider-Man you missed because you weren't at Terrificon 2017, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. Rene Aubergenois. You know him as Odo from Deep Space Nine, but he was the voice of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man on the Rock comic. 
that came out, a record album with a John Romita cover back in 1973 or four, I think it was. You know what? You I really have to break out that I have that album. It took me a while, but I did get a copy of that. Doctor Strange is on that album. So is the Kingpin. It's one of the greatest comic records you'll ever hear. And that's uh, where some... standing in front of the mirror, the long face, the long mirror. And... No, that's a different one. No, 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 oh, okay. no, 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 no. That's another one. Yes, that is that's... another one. Okay, I'm, I'm backing up this now to what you said. This one's got a total white cover with a John Romita Spider-Man sitting in a web, and he's shooting this web towards you, and then you open it up, and there's a bunch of comic book panels that tell the story of how Aunt May is kidnapped by the Kingpin. Mm. And he has to bring Spider-Man to the Kingpin, Peter Parker does, or he's going to kill Aunt May. And he goes, how can I do this? How can I betray you know, my love for Aunt May by showing the world that I am Spider-Man? And there's all these great little uh, rock songs on it. So he goes to Doctor Strange to help them out. And Doctor Strange sends the Kingpin into hell at the end. It's really dark. Wow. <laughs> really dark. Now, speaking of total white, let's talk about my dancing skills. No, let's talk about... Hashtag Morbius Sweep. It's Morbin time, ladies and gentlemen. And off mic, uh, Mitch had mentioned to us that apparently due to the memory over the last few weeks of Morbius, the movie that just will not go away. It won't die. Hooray! Well, for Eddie, yes, because he's the one person that liked the movie. Oh, my God. You're the guy? I'm the guy. I hated that movie. I think he likes it because I hated it. (laughs) Everybody hated it. Everybody hates Morbius, the new show. <laughs> I hope it gets canceled immediately. <laughs> yes, it's coming out in a thousand theaters this Friday, June third, just for those people like Eddie. And that was a revelation to me, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Amen. What? It's I'm sorry, I you know, I feel for the guy. I do. He's not, you you mean, feel for him. You mean you're thinking he's worse off than Thor the Dark World? Yeah. 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 As I lovingly said in our previous episode, I remember my favorite moment in the movie was when he was in a prison jumpsuit. And I'm like, wow, that's a weird editing technique. Oh, wait, I fell asleep in the theater. Oh, well, no one cares. I'm trying to think, was there any parts of that movie I liked, like anything? Because I love Morbius. He's one of my favorites up there with, like, Deathlock, those obscure Marvel characters we, that never really got hmm. their due. I was going to say, like, that, uh, you might be the first person I've ever met that is a Morbius fan. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I've, no, I love Manwolf, Morbius, Deathlock, Dancing. I was in that era in the early 70s where it's like Marvel was making all this weird stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, this is cool. Wait a minute, you said Manwolf? Are we yeah. talking Man-Wolf. about J. Jonah Jameson's the, yeah. son? Yes, John. My son, yeah. the oh my astronaut. God, the oh, yeah, the two-issue uh, uh, Marvel premiere, which was like their tryout book. Well, I came oh to God, know, yeah. I just, side note, came to know Manwolf through one yeah. of those Spider-Man records from Power Records, the Mark That's of the right, Manwolf. Power Records, yeah. And that I was first, issue 125, I think. Yeah, and I, then, uh, what, in a Marvel premiere, a couple issues, and, you know, after yeah. the uh, you, amazing stuff. You growing up with where your experiences of some of these characters for the first time is stuff like that. That's such mm. a weird time to be able to have how you can experience these characters, whereas nowadays, like, the kids that are growing up, they can go on a Marvel Unlimited. They can buy a paperback they or could, something, yeah. and they can get all that stuff instantaneously. Mm-hmm. You have to discover them through like weird, random ways, and it's such a cool thing that you don't have that very often. Like when I was growing up, most of the you know, most of my first encounters with these characters was through the animated series, so it didn't matter. Whereas like you have like, I was looking under a rock and there was a record, yep. and I was like, yeah. oh and my goodness, no, you, Living Laser. 
I'll tell you what, Marvel Premiere was one of the greatest comic books in the history of Marvel because they would try so many cool things in that book. You'd yeah. be like, hey, let's do a, um, a Western. And they had this guy, Caleb Hammer, yes. who was a former Pinkerton, and his wife and son were killed in a raid, and he goes out and becomes a gunslinger bounty hunter. Never did anything with it, but that one issue was like, damn, this is a good story. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Hammer. That's that is really that's. Yeah, I remember now that you say it. I wouldn't have recalled it to memory myself, but oh, and then the Jack of Hearts had a, a series in there. The 3D Man. There was a lot of cool Marvel characters that are just like you're never going to see in the movies. And my you know? favorite Marvel character, Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper was in that. Yes, you're correct. Dominic Fortune's in there. Like yeah, that's Dominic where... Fortune's in. Yeah, this is uh, Howard shaking himself. Starting... And in one of those books, I think it was Sergeant Fury. Might have been astonishing. Tales, where you find out about no, it was Marvel Premiere, where you find out about the Infinity Formula, and they explained how Nick Fury was still, you know, vile and jumping around because he should have been like sixty or seventy years old, and you find out that he's got something that slows his aging down. It was written by Shaken and Starlin, and it's become part of uh, Marvel folklore. So he didn't the follow Infinity the uh, he didn't follow the Steve Rogers Frozen method. No. No, no, he was in some other druggy experiment. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, on our Patreon, we have a solo show called Fantastic Voyage, where we talk about every single issue of the Stan and Jack Fantastic Four, issue by issue, and we recently just did number 21, and I recently edited the episode a few days ago, and it got me thinking, as I'm listening, Mitch, we're talking about that issue with the hate monger, and yeah. Nick, Nick yeah. Fury shows up in that issue, and he, he has does. both eyes. Now, yeah, let's settle a bet here. Did he lose his eye in the war, or did he yes. lose it? Okay, so then in this issue, he has both eyes. But they haven't written that story yet. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I thought no, so. I thought so. He was not an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet. He was still Nick Fury from the Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. He wouldn't become their pseudo-James Bond character for a couple more years. So yeah, right. they didn't know anything about the eye patch. It was only when he became you know, a spy that they wrote that in there, and then they went into the Sergeant Fury book. It was in an annual. And they explained how he got a grenade fragment in his eye, and that's what damaged his eye. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, go over to patreon.com slash themarvelous and help support the show and just listen to our ramblings on Fantastic Voyage. We got some good shit in there, like really good stuff. Yeah. So, But they're focused ramblings, pretty well you focused, You know what I picked I up yesterday, actually? What's that? Speaking of that, I picked up Infant Terrible, uh, Fantastic Four issue 24. Well, they have a little alien guy on the cover. We may have to have Mitch on for that episode. I that literally would, bought it yesterday. We're a couple months away from that, I think, from that issue now. Three. So, three, three, if you want to count. Yeah, it is Literally, three. yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll bring it back on in uh, August. Maybe. Maybe after a Trificon and I'm still, you know, breathing. Sure. Yeah. No, because yes. you're going to be working on Terrificon number 20, or Terrificon 23. 2023, and yeah, then I got so. GamerCon in the middle of all that stuff. So, yeah, I got a lot going on. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Still crazy yeah. after all these years. Yes, yeah, still crazy yeah, after all these years. So many comic book creators will be at Terrificon. It is the biggest collection of artists and writers in the New England area, bigger than all the rest. Not bigger than New York, but we're not in New York. We're in New England. So there you go. Same space and close to, if not, you know, the same amount that you uh, have filled the 
area with, I would think. I know. They gave me this bigger place, and they said go to it, and I filled the entire thing within like a year or two, and now I've got like people on a wait list already. Mm. I've sold out. I love when I say, we are sold out. And at this point, where are you at with that, if you know? I am literally, I have about maybe 10, 10 by 10 boots left open if anybody wants them. That's it. And they should be all gone by the end of the week. And then we are done, and I can lock it, and I can do the program, and I can do the floor plan, and then just sit there and wait for the kids to come to the doors and have fun. I got to do the panel lineup. I got to plan which, uh, maybe Peter and Eddie can tell me what panels they want to hear from the comic book creators. I already did all the actor ones. That's done. Mm-hmm. So, see, here's another thing most people don't get. You do, because you know me. I do all this stuff. Don't, people don't understand. I do, when I say everything, I'm buying the airline tickets tonight for some people. I'm uh, booking their hotel rooms. I'm doing the website, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook. I pick some people up at the train station sometimes. I run around. I, I design all the T-shirts, the programs. Nobody does this stuff. They have staff people to do this stuff. But, well, you're saving on expenses in that sense, but I, you know, and I, I get the whole PR thing because right. you're heart and soul 110% into it. So nobody yeah. knows it more inside and out than, than you do for sure. And or it's your baby, and you're not a control freak, I hope. But you know, no, I'm not that, a control. You know, I have a trust issue. Oh, There's okay. Yep, there is a difference. Absolutely. But so, the, the amount of outlay that you go through. People, A, don't know or don't care uh, because of their perspective, however they're coming into it and stuff. But when you're telling us that you're paying for plane fare and or yeah. putting people up in rooms, I mean, well, there's got to be a, a give and take, I guess, somewhere. Um, you're getting you know, your own personal satisfaction out of it, and we definitely understand and appreciate that and glad to be a part of it. But you, and you got to know when to say when, as far as how far you'll you'll go. Well, yeah, there's a point. I mean, I don't have all the money in the world because I get. I would love to have Todd McFarlane. I would love to have Luke or Mark Hamill at my shows. But the reality of the situation is that I don't think average fanboy understands is that these people don't show up just because they love you. They show up because it's a business proposition, and some of them have appearance fees. Some of them have guarantees. And Uncle Mitchie here is not a millionaire. Despite what the internet says, uh, I still cut coupons and buy shoes at Kohl's and stuff like that. I don't have a lot of money. And uh, every year at this show, I hope it works. I, I try to get a good guest list that I think is going to appeal to a mass audience. And uh, I hope there's not bad weather. And I hope there's, you know, people can afford to come to the show because gas prices aren't crazy. It's all a big crapshoot. And there's a good thing it's at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, because that's also a, a casino. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work until the show's over. And then I get all the uh, bills, and I go through it, and I go, well, hey, we made $20. Yay. Well, Let's do it again next year. So, In regards to, you know, the uh, guests, the biggest guest yeah. you're going to have at this show this year is John Romita Jr., and he's it currently is. the ongoing writer or the ongoing artist, artist for Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. And you had mentioned earlier to us, what kind of panels do we want to see? You know what I want to see? Tell me. John Romita Jr., 1985 Hunk of the Month, 37 years later. A discussion about the time he was the Hunk of the Month at Marvel Comics. Was that a thing? Yes, it was. I'll send you the link later. <laughs> the Hunk of the Month? What were they doing? It like in the, Was it the soapbox? Well, that month, he was the Hunk. Okay. So I'll take your word for it. Hubba hubba. 
I was thinking if you ha- you know if you have the right people that would would do this maybe in a comparative way, current writer artist versus you know, Bronze Age seventies steel yeah. whatever, age and and the methods used to do what they did and where it is now and and, and maybe open up some uh, youngins' eyes as to um, how it happens now versus. I tell what- you what on that thought, Eddie, which is a great idea because I have what I consider legends. And that only because they're old and I'm still there to remember them. The folks from the 70s and the 80s that made the Marvel universe that we know and love that's become, you know, rich fodder for these movies and TV shows, the Jim Shooter, Jim Shooter's going to be there this year. And nobody knows more about what was going on than Jim because he was the guy that was running the the train. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got the folks that were there. You got the Romitas that were working for him. And, you know, they could tell you the stories of when. You know, Frank Miller was switching over. And Klaus Jansen, speaking of Frank Miller, there's the guy that was working side-by-side side with him. He's going to be at the show. He'll tell you all about the days of Daredevil. He could tell you about the Batman, too, the Dark Knight Returns. He was the freaking inker on that stuff. So, and plus Klaus was in the 70s. A lot of these guys, all the, and Jim Starlin's going to be there, another guy from the 70s. So much of today's Marvel Cinematic Universe was built by these guys. These were the bricklayers of the, 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 the buildings and the epic shrines, there wouldn't be this Disney World that you just went to with all these rides and stuff that wasn't for guys that created, you know, Star-Lord and all that stuff back in the uh, the 70s and the 80s and all that, you know? Yeah, and if so, you had somebody like a John Romita Jr. to do a panel, yeah. even to talk about, his, of course, his own experience and then incorporate others that he's dealt with and worked with, but just drawing, number one, back to his father. Oh, God, yeah. Mr. Romita Sr. is a fantastic. He's, he's my favorite artist of all time. I always say that. It's like him, John Byrne. Uh, you know, I've got a, a list of them, but I always wanted to be John Romita Sr. Uh, that was my dream growing up, mm-hmm. to be Romita Sr. But it didn't happen. You know? Instead, you got to guest on The Marvelous. What's that? Instead, you became a guest on The Marvelous. So I know, I know, I know. Consolation I know. in its weird, strange, rears its ugly head form. But you get to be, the, I think, one of the big top, at least East Coast, cheerleader for all of these names. You know, it's weird because I go to cons every weekend. Literally, I'm at a con every weekend, whether it's a small dollar cigar box coming through the VFW hall or I'm at a, a mid-sized show or a big show. I, you know, I'd be there anyway. I've been doing this long before I started producing comic conventions. And it's, it's an awkward thing when people recognize you and they start talking to you because I'm just like them. I mean, really, I think I smell worse than some of these folks now and then because my wife goes, did you shower before you went out? I go, hey, I'm going to a comic show. No one's going to care. <laughs> but uh, it's my disguise. I'm in my street working clothes. And I have my comic book T-shirt on and I got my shorts on and, I look like a wannabe Kevin Smith with gray hair. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. I do that a lot, too. <laughs> Kevin Smith. Hey, man. How's it going, man? I can't remember people's names. That's why I do the hey, man. And uh, those are my people. I'm, I'm with them. It's like the Tuscan Raiders. I'm like Boba Fett. I kind of just blend it in. I've become one of them, you know? Well, so. you know, whether you've told me personally or, t- or the two of us together, I feel... And I truly believe, no BS here, no blowing sunshine up your skirt, that you're going to these shows to see, to support the other, oh yeah, you know, vendors, et cetera, uh, the other show presenters. But you're also going maybe in your own head and you're saying to yourself, well, no, I wouldn't do that. Oh, that's a good idea. Well, maybe oh, I should try that. that. You yeah. know, it's, you know but it's so only funny, natural. 
No, you, you mentioned that. It's so funny. I was shopping for comics on Sunday at another show, and one of the guys, the dealer, said, you know what you should do? I'm like, well, I hate when people say that because the first thing I think of is, is run away from you, but I don't say that. <laughs> uh, they go, you should be a consultant. I go, what is that? He goes, you know, to tell all these other comic conventions how to do their business and, you know, how to promote and how to organize and all that. I go, why would I give away my magic trick? You know? That's that's my little secret. You don't want everybody to know what Shazam stands for. You just want to keep it to yourself. Well, at the outset, when you said that, I thought that was a compliment. So It is a compliment, but there's some parts of me where I go, well, I can't tell them everything. And the other yeah. problem is you meet a lot of people in life that think they know everything, and you can't teach anything to somebody who knows everything. That is correct. Totally and agree so with that, yeah. You just bite your tongue, and you just go, yeah, good luck with everything, buddy. But I'll tell you what. Some of my favorite shows in the area are the Garden State Comic Fest done by my friends Sal and Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, love those guys. They do their show. At the, I think it's called the Menken Arena. The, it's the, like uh, a hockey Men arena Menin. or basketball thing in uh, Jersey. Menon. Menon, yes. Menon. That's it. Yeah, Menon. Yeah, Morristown, New Jersey. We're about a week away from talking to Dave and Sal, actually, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been going to their shows for years. I used to go to Cliff Galbraith's show down in Asbury Park. Cliff. I go to Baltimore. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we support each other if you're friendly. Some of them aren't friendly, and I don't support those people because, hey, you want to be a dick? <sighs> yeah, I don't have time in my life for that shit, so I just move along. Now, the other track of the train of thought, rather, would be as, as a consultant. You'd be, all right, sure, I'll be a consultant. What's in it for me? You know, what's, yeah. what's worth? Well, is it yeah. worth my time? And, you know, yeah. If you're good at some something. comic books. I'll do it for comic mm, books. See that? Yeah. If you're good at something, you don't do it for free. That's right. The That's Joker right. said that. that Joker. You know who told me that? Neil Adams told me that. Mm-hmm. He did. Mr. Neil Adams. I miss but him. I miss Neil. I do. The other day I was putting the floor plan together. Neil used to have a sizable area at my show, like 60 by 60 square feet. And he's not there anymore. So I, you know, put some tables in because what the hell? Three people in yeah, his yeah, foot, yeah. footprint, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it was a running joke. With his booth would get bigger every night. Like you leave, and then he had sixteen tables. The next day, he had twenty four. By the end of the show, it was like thirty eight tables. We're like, "What the hell's going on over there, Neil?" And he go, "Oh, we we, we forgot we had to bring more stuff." I you know, on yeah. our on our tribute to Neil episode, I made the joke of I've always wanted to walk up to him at the shows and go, like you know, scope the whole thing and like, okay, they don't have so and so. Hey Neil, you got any art by so and so? I knew we should have brought so and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, always wanted to had do that. everything. I remember he had the Lego characters. Yes, like the little Lego uh, Green Lanterns and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing <laughs> with this stuff? You know, but he did everything. I remember we salesman. we were at his final convention. Uh, it was at Fanfare in New York City. It was at his old uh, art school. And I remember my uh, ex and I we were there, and. I you know I told her like she they this was like his cheapest convention like his prices were down because he was out of school and because of this and because of that and I remember um he had Grogu from the Mandalorian and I'm like oh god she, really she loved that show and you know she still does she's not gone but you know she uh she you know loves the character and I said to her yeah. you have to get this I'm going to get it for you she's like no you don't have to do it. I'm like trust me on this you'll want this and you know got her the print of Grogu and it was like it was a Neil Adams Grogu. That's crazy. I and, can see him drawing anything that's popular, but I can't just... He probably didn't even know what it is. What am I drawing? Sure, do the kids like it? All right, here, I'll do it. <laughs> this looks like a baby. A baby of Yoda. Yeah, that's the that's the ticket. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
Some, I can hear Neil in my head. I got the, his voice in my head mm-hmm. uh, from all the conversations we would have. But I miss he's him a for, fun dude. I miss him for the podcast. Like some of the shows he would do, the ones he did with Kevin Smith, and it's like, oh yeah, oh my God! Forget going to college for business courses. You listen to that. He'll tell you how to negotiate a price. He'll tell you everything. Freaking, he was a genius, man. Yeah. I love that stuff. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. It was like a five-hour podcast well, he, with Kevin and Neil. Oh, they great. I remember he had him on. It was like an hour and a half each one, and then when yeah. Neil passed, like he took everything and just merged into one episode. And when we did our Neil tribute episode, I threw off all of our interviews at the end because I'm like, you know what? Like I, I stole that idea from Kevin, like point blank. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. because his interviews were that entertaining. Yeah. And they could hold up on their own. Like anything and you he could did. go on, um, what's that show? Uh, you go on YouTube, type in uh, Neil Adams, you can watch his videos about the um, Earth expanding. Hmm. Yeah. You ever seen those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're crazy. He, it, they made it into a plot is, point in Batman Odyssey, I remember that. Oh no, really? I gave up on Batman Odyssey, even though I have it in that big old omnibus. I couldn't get through it. Like after like three or four issues, I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I'm I, out. I've, I've attempted many times, and like I remember, uh, we did an interview with him for uh, Audibly Exquisite back in the day, and like he goes, "Remember in Batman Odyssey?" And he does a handgun. He goes, "Bang bang!" And all I'm thinking of is the wrestler Cactus Jack. I'm like, "Yeah, bang bang!" And I'm like, "Yeah, I remember <laughs> that." And he goes, "We're talking about it," and he goes, "You remember when this happens?" I go, "Yeah," and he goes. That didn't happen in the book. You bullshitted to me. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> you know what? Did you read his X Men uh, Wolverine thing he did? Yes, that I did read. The uh, X Men. It was first yeah. class or something. Because I remember. Cl- yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty damn good. That's good. I mean, he had a good idea on that one because he's like, you know, when Professor X wanted to give his class away to somebody, who else would it be but Wolverine? Because he's old and he's there and they knew each other. And I'm like, hey, that's actually a good idea. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. And I mean, so. like, you, it's funny because, like, I remember uh, Rob Liefeld did his uh, tribute to him, and he was talking about the uh, all of his work he's done, and he goes, "He never. The last thing of Superman he did was Superman Muhammad Ali." And then I'm thinking to myself, "No, Rob, 2016, yeah, the coming of the Superman. Superman, yeah, mm. yeah." But I guess because it's pluralized, that it didn't well, work for Rob. <laughs> let it go. What are you gonna do? Don't become one of those nitpickers that hey, you got it wrong. Excuse me. It's plural. There are only six black stripes on Obi Wan Kenobi's lightsaber, and there's five on the new show. So. Mitch, you really do know that offhand, don't you? I do actually. <laughs> it's a make, I made a mistake. It's uh, Anakin's lightsaber that's given to Luke. It was a windshield wiper blade window wiper blade and they cut it and it's there's six on the original and then five in the Empire Strikes Back. Now Mitch, what is the name in the EU of the uh, Luke Skywalker clone? Oh, Luke. L-U-U-K-E. <laughs> I love how lazy that writing was. What's the clone's name? Luke. 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 No, Luke. <laughs> I'll never forget. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something here no one's ever picked up on but when I was a kid and I saw Star Wars and they talked about, you were in the Clone Wars? Yes, I was a Jedi Knight, just like your father. But I thought the name Obi-Wan was like a designation, like a serial number, oh, like R2-D2. Hey. And I always thought, when they went back to tell the story, that you'd find out that Obi-Wan was actually a clone of a Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. 
and then I had my own little expanded universe, and I liked mine better. I was like, hey, in my story, Obi-Wan is like a bunch of Jedi clones that they made, you but, know, and they but, went amok. But Mitch, and what about the trade? The, f- and that's where the Clone War was. It was a fight between the Jedi Knights and these rebellious, dark clone Jedi. But that, Mitch, I thought it was a better story. But what? Mitch, what about the uh, trade legislation? Oh, the trade, the trade federation. You sure, mean? and the legislation, and the oh, and the taxing of trade routes on the outer rim. This is getting out of Ooh. hand. You don't remember the hyperspace war? Now that was war. Ooh, back in the day, it was cool. Ula Keldroma. All that paperwork. The, the tales of the Jedi. You know what I'm mad about? That I saw that they're announcing the tales of the Jedi coming out, which is a good thing. But I'm like, hey, Dark Horse did that like 20, 30 years ago. What are you doing here? You know, hmm. but. It's going to be a new animated thing. You know, Peter, there was a story I was going to tell you about the Disney that we talked about off mic, and I can't remember which one it was. So maybe it's in your notes. I know you did want to talk to me about when you fell asleep during uh, Jonah Hex. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I was thinking of, see, I was so just taken with Star Wars and, and Disney. I just came crazy. We were talking about Morbius, and you were talking about the prison suit. And you said you didn't know how he got in that prison suit. And you thought he, you blacked out, didn't you? Yeah. Good, I good times. I was lucky enough to see the movie Jonah Hex starring Thanos himself, mm-hmm. Josh Bridges. Or Josh Bridges. Josh. Brolin. Brolin. Wrong B. I'm thinking of Jeff Bridges. Maybe I just made a new guy, Josh Bridges. Bro. Tell me this fall on CBS, Josh <laughs> Bridges' son is back. Josh Bridges. With, um, with Cheech Marin for no reason. I saw Amen. that movie in the theaters because I was a big Megan Fox fan, and I wanted to check her out. Yeah. Her acting abilities. And you watched it for the plot. Is, Both of- he's right. She plays Tallulah in that movie. He's Jonah Hex. He's riding on a horse. They actually used the same footage of him riding on that horse three times in that movie, and they flipped the film to make it look <laughs> like he's going from east to west and then west to east hey, and then back again. All right. Yeah, they saved money that way. Mm. Well, why he's on the horse? The bad guy in that movie is played by John Malkovich. And he's building like a small atom bomb, which is just totally stupid. And out of nowhere, as he's riding the horse, there's suddenly an orange sand pit. Like this, the, 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 the sand is like an orange-red color. And they're having a fist fight for no apparent reason. He plays a bad guy named Turnbull. And I thought that I had suffered a stroke in the middle of that movie. Because I'm like, what happened? Did I black out? Where am I? What What is happening here? And it wasn't until afterwards I spoke to other people who also suffered through that film. That that was the edit. That was the, the movie. There was no blackout. There was no stroke. There was no brain seizure or anything like that. They just jumped to another scene without any explanation whatsoever. So if you want to talk about bad movies, Mr. Morbius, <laughs> do not forget the Western that is Jonah Hex. The Western, in quotes. I rest my case. Weird Western, even. Yeah. It should have worked, but it did The Spirit should have worked. Do you know The Spirit by Frank Miller? Yeah. you know that movie? I actually have it I like that movie, because I think of it as a musical. If you watch that movie like it's a bad musical comedy, it's not bad. If you watch it as anything but that, then it, it's horrendous. You know? Well, I'll have, I'm going to have back... Backstroke to that and uh, the Jonah Hex too because I did get one viewing of that. I got the series. Forget the weird western. I think that was a little too out of my range. But yeah. But Sin City was a recent view of mine on K 
catching up things. Yeah? Did I you en- like it? I enjoy how Eddie always shoehorns in. I own that. <laughs> I like the fact that Frank Miller spoke at New York Comic Con, and they gave raffle tickets out to get his autograph. And I was leaving the show, and I'm walking across the street to Javits, and who's across the street smoking a butt? And I'm on the phone with my wife telling her I'm headed towards the Metro North uh, Grand Central to come home. But I go, I got to go. Frank Miller's standing right next to me. <laughs> and he's like, hey, what's up, man? And I go, hey, I got to walk. He goes, where are you walking to? I said, Grand Central. He goes, I'll walk with you. I don't know. He just started talking to me. So we talked for about 25 minutes on the way to Grand Central. And he told me all about the Spirit movie that was about to come out. And this is October, and the movie's coming out on Christmas Day. And I started going, oh, will the opening credits be like the Will Eisner, you know, spirit where they you know, always had it mapped out in a certain way with the graphics? He goes, no. I go, oh. Well, is uh, Ebony going to be in there, the, the, you know, the kid? No. Oh. Well, are you going to? He goes, no. And he goes, wait a minute. You're thinking of Will Eisner's spirit. This is Frank Miller's spirit. Oh, and I no. go, Oh. Really? And he goes, why? What, what, what's the matter? He looks disappointed. I go, well, it's like, <laughs> it's like calling a movie Batman. And when you go to see it, there's no Bruce Wayne. There's no Batcave. There's no Alfred. There's no Commissioner Gordon. It's just a guy who is dressed like a bat. <laughs> why do it's you look sad? It's called Batman, but it's not the Batman. You know what I mean? And he looked at me and goes, oh, yeah. I think you're right. I go, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> So And then we talked. I said, well, what other movies would you want to do? He said, I want to do a sequel to 300. I go, what, 301? He goes, <laughs> no, no, the 400. Battle of or whatever, the sea battle. I go, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, it's the greatest naval battle in history, and he's telling me all about it. I go, oh, yeah, that, that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, that's good. And then he goes back and goes, you really don't like the idea about the Frank Miller spirit thing, huh? I go, nah, I don't know. Good luck with that, though. That's so, so sad. <laughs> And then I had a book, and I said, hey, would you autograph my Spider-Man book? Because I had this book called The 50-Year History of Spider-Man. See, that's how long ago this was. Mm. And I would have all artists sign it. When I, I carried it around with me under my arm, and if I bumped into somebody, I'd open the book up and go, hey, you did a Spider-Man. Yeah, could you sign this page? And they would. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said to Frank Miller, wait a second, I think you're in my book. He goes, oh, let me see. And sure enough, he did. Spectacular Spider-Man, yep. issue 28, where Spider-Man meets Daredevil. And there was a big picture of it. And Frank goes, yeah, give me a marker. So he did a big FM with a circle. That's how he signs his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my Frank Miller autograph. And I didn't spend 100 bucks, And I didn't have to wait in line. And I didn't have to uh, buy a VIP ticket. I just had to tell him that I thought his idea for the Spirit movie sucked. <laughs> and uh, he gave me that autograph. Yeah, but that took so about 15, go. 20 minutes. So you had to work up to it. No. <laughs> Yeah, he was actually really nice about it. He's like, oh, well, you know, take care, buddy. I was like, you too, Frank. And I think in a similar way, Peter had a random Frank Miller meeting occurrence in the streets of New York City. Yeah, I met him uh, outside of Midtown Comics. I saw a guy wearing a Wonder Woman t-shirt. I'm like, I know who that guy is. (laughs) And the next thing you knew, you had a a shirt just like that. And you took it off his naked body. Do you know Frank Miller's in the Fantastic Four movie? I thought you were going to say Frank Miller's a nudist. I'm like, wow, that's a Well, there's segue. that, too, but that's for another show. But, no, he's in the Frank, uh, the Fantastic Four movie with Chris Evans and, uh, you know, uh, Jessica Alba, all that stuff. And Yod Grufford? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh... As they're walking down the street and the thing is going towards, like, the Madison Square Garden because Johnny's there having a stunt show, 
and he's fighting with uh, Sue Storm. They're yelling about it. Okay. They walk right by Frank Miller, who not only steps out of the way, but then looks right into the camera. And I go, what the hell is he doing in this movie? Another Don't circle know. back to me. All right. <clears throat> wow, good stuff. I'm going to have to we'll check have that to out. to go look that up. On the award-winning Disney Plus, no less. If it's it on is there, on still. Disney Plus now, isn't it? It might be because like the uh, they flip flop the rights of that every once in a while. Like it'll go on stars. Yeah, no, there's there. so much on Disney. I just thought about it this weekend. There's uh, Stranger Things, uh, Strange New Worlds from Star Trek. The Orville's on today. Obi Wan Kenobi was on yesterday, and something else is on this weekend. I'm like, oh my god, there's so too much to watch. <laughs> the author with uh, that's the thing that I'm watching too about the Godfather picture. So yeah, it's a lot. So I think that's going to put a bow on this week's episode. Mitch, as always, a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. Maybe. For one of us. Sure. What if God was? One of <laughs> us. Uh, looking forward very much to uh, Terrificon this year. Again, July 29th, 30th, 31st. I'm sure there's special dis- different uh, pricing for one, two, or three-day uh, attendance. There Correct? is. There is different prices for each day, or you can buy a three-day ticket for, I think, 85 bucks. You save money that way. And there's even a VIP package where you get, like, special T-shirts and prints and a, and a pin and all kind of stuff. Kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And if we catch you like we did once before at the back of your car at a different comic show, we'll get one of the previous year's T-shirts. Because I still have one of those. I have that stuff in my car at all times, yeah, because I never know when I'm going to meet some strange podcasters and try to get out of there with my life. I say, here, take some shiny trinkets. And See, we were, yeah, we were car. up and coming podcasters. Now we're just kind of, you know, middle Well, of the road. Peter's been up and coming. Peter owes me because I told him where his hero would be. And to this day, he's in awe of that man, Kevin Smith. It's true. <laughs> he wants you to meet him. I said, well, you know, he's going to be right over there in about 20 minutes. You're like, what? Well, it was the night before you told me the signing, and then you said, hey, just a heads up. It's going to be over there. And I camped out, and then randomly I turn around, and he's standing there. I'm like, he's standing right next to you. He's, yep. I watched the whole thing go down. He popped up out of nowhere. It was hilarious. <laughs> he did. It was like a, it was like a, like a little a mole or something. Like, poof. I'm like, what? Yeah. A nearby manhole cover or something? Were, I mean, geez. Groundhog Kev. Oh, you were so excited to meet him. It was like a little kid meeting Santa Claus. And I was dressed as Star-Lord, too. Yeah, you were. You were. Legendary outlaw. So much to be said to, for consistency, and here's an example. The brand. You can never you can never stop the brand. So anyway, right. Mitch, once again, as always, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you, boys. Now I can go back to just staring at the walls like the kingpin. How can people get a hold of you on social media, and how can people go to Terrificon, Connecticut's only Terrificomicon? Well, they should go to Terrificon. They don't want to get a hold of me because I'm a mean SOB. But just go to www.I don't even know if you have to say that anymore. www.terrificon.com, and you'll find all the guests and the artists and the photo ops and how to get tickets and where they sell them in the area. You can go to comic book shops in the Northeast and buy tickets to Terrificon. And that's where that is. But for me, you'll find me on the social medias. I'm on uh, YouTube. I'm on a show called The Mitch and Ed Excellent Adventure, where we go back and look at old TV shows and movies every two weeks. Um, on a podcast with artist writer Jerry Ordway called The Power Cosmic Podcast, where we eat pizza and drink beer in a restaurant and we just argue about stuff every two weeks, which is interesting. And then I'm on the radio here in Connecticut on WPLR. Unless you're not around here, you won't hear that. Um, I'm the the king of the nerds every Friday morning at 5.30 a.m. 
when nobody should be up. And that, I think, is that. That's more than enough, right? They had to fill a space on the radio dial, so I guess that's why you had to be there. They did. They wanted me to do a Sunday night show at 9 o'clock. I go, oh, my God, please, let those poor shut-ins die in peace. Nobody (laughs) wants to listen to that. And, yeah, of course, you can say Terrificon on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and two cans with a string. You can see that, too. That's the thing. Mitch Mitch Halleck, Terrificon 2022, looking very much forward to it because we all need to get out. Thank you again. You do. You do. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Mitch Halleck of Terrificon. And I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior.